You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. If you're not one to love change, today's episode with certified coach Karen Herbert may change your mind. No pun intended. Karen specializes in helping empty nesting and almost empty nesting moms thrive through transition and create the purpose they crave in the next season of life. But really, she's an expert on transitions in general and is sharing all the specific steps and practical tips today to help you thrive in your own next stage, whatever that may be. Today, we're talking about the difference between change and transition, and also the differences between having a victim or fear energy and a confidence energy, and how to transition from one to the other. Karen also helps get rid of mom guilt, whether you're an empty nesting mom or a new mom with young kiddos, and shares actual examples of the best ways to give advice to young adults for it to be accepted, respected, and even sought after. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome, Karen. Hi, it's so nice to be here with you, Erica. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to have you here, especially for any and all empty nesters or soon-to-be empty nester friends listening, because you really specialize in helping this piece of the population thrive through that undoubtedly huge transition. But beyond that, I feel like this will be a really great conversation about thriving through transition in general, like we were just talking about before we hit record since, oh my goodness, pandemic, people's careers, relationships, it feels like the entire, what, almost two years has just been one big giant transition. So I think it's going to be really helpful and enriching for people to have some pro tips on navigating and really thriving through transitions, whether they are being thrust upon you and forced upon you, or whether it's something that maybe you'll feel confident enough to do intentionally and by your own, by your own, um, making first and foremost. So first, before we dive into all of that though, give us the lowdown on who you are and what you do and your current stage of thriving in life. Sure. Excellent. Yes. My name is Karen Herbert. I am uh, a mom of three young adults. I've been married for about 21 years and have just kind of an eclectic background um, in psychology and human development and uh, philosophy. So, um, so I'm in the empty nest transition period myself, and I am a life coach for other moms who are wanting to thrive in this transition and really step into the next powerful stage of life for themselves. And I work with my spouse, Curtis, and I just love that aspect of our life together. And we really, really love and appreciate the women we work with. Mm -hmm. I think what's so cool too, and especially powerful about what you do and, and your work is that I feel like oftentimes for me, it's my parents' generation. We've seen them spend their entire lives up to a certain point, just giving of themselves to others, to their kids, maybe often at the expense of their own dreams and desires. So, I mean, I feel so lucky to have seen such selflessness, but I also feel like sometimes there's a sense of needing permission from your kids to now go live your life and choose you. So I think that that's such a, 
I, I haven't seen a lot of people tap into that niche and be like, Hey, listen, like it's okay to get some help now and not feel like you have it all figured out as you go through a transition because you've been taking care of other people for so long. Like it's okay to take care of you now and really dive into how do you figure it all out now? And it's okay if that looks different than what it looked like when your kids were living at home or when they were little or, or before you ever had kids in the first place. Yes. And I think Erica, you've just put your finger on a really huge mindset shift that every single one of our clients has to work through, which is giving myself permission to invest in myself, giving myself permission to invest in my new sense of purpose, reconnecting with like who I am now. I mean, I don't, I don't even really know necessarily because it's been so long since I asked myself those questions and started making new dreams and thought about my own vision for the rest of my life. So Mm -hmm. that's absolutely foundational. Yeah. What do you think are maybe a few of the keys to thriving though, through any transition at any age? Because before we dive into empty nesters, I really want to tackle that together since this is totally your cup of tea. If you have any overarching tips or universal truths, so to speak, that really help thrive through just transitions in general. Yes. Oh, I'd love to talk about this. So (laughs) one of the biggest differences is the difference between change and transition. Mm. And um, change is really obviously happening all throughout our lives. And change is primarily the external things that are becoming different at any stage of our life. A transition is when I engage with the change in a way that transforms me, that creates a new kind of self-identity, that shifts the way I think about myself and who I am and how I'm showing up. And the truth is in the modern world, we really struggle to engage with transition in that way where transition has purpose, it has meaning, and it's not just something to be endured and survived through to get to some next stage. And the kind of the, um, a different approach I like to mention is if you look at sort of traditional or Aboriginal cultures, they had very structured rituals around key moments in the life journey that were transitional. And there, there was a lot of intention beyond, behind how they structured those rituals to mark, to symbolize the whole transition process. And obviously we're not really in a space in the modern world to do that, but we've lost our sense of purpose and meaning. And we can re-engage with transition, finding the purpose and the meaning and the transformation in the process. And when we come through the transition, we're different. We're more of who we are. We're more authentic. We're more focused and we're living more fully a life of abundance. Now, how much of that do you think is, or should be, I guess I should say an intentional choice and sort of setting of the sails to transition meaningfully through a change or how much of that is something where it is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. You sit back on the other side going, wow, I'm now a butterfly. Look at this growth reflecting, knowing hindsight is 2020. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it is a little of both. 
the, the changes and transitions in our journey, sometimes we intentionally choose them. Sometimes we don't, they just come to us. What we can choose is how we show up in the midst of that. And um, it is really important to understand the parts of a transition because we can get stuck in transitions. And that's a lot of where the intentionality comes in. Even if I'm just making my way through we want to be intentional about how we're experiencing it and engaging with it. So really most of our life stories, they have a beginning, a middle and an end, but a transition story starts with an ending and then there's a middle and then there's a beginning. And each of those phases is supporting you in a very specific way. There's the letting mm-hmm. go of the ending. If we never let go, we can't, process through the transition and come out in a different place. There's the middle part, which is very chaotic. And there's a lot of upheaval. I mean, the image is my whole kitchen, right, is torn apart. And it's everything is laid out and bare. And and it's very hard to see what it's going to look like in the end. That's what it feels like to be in the middle of a transition. But that is where the real personal growth happens. So I can't rush through that to try to get to the next thing. I can't be all about just getting through it. I have to engage with it because that's where the real work happens. Mm -hmm. And even in, in the new beginning, there's a way that we have to intentionally enter into that as we explore and listen to our intuition and really key in on what our authentic self is telling us about where we want to go. Yeah. So can you walk us through maybe an example so that listeners can kind of put two and two together and see how this might play out in real life? I'm sure we've all experienced transitions uh, at some point or another, but walk us through an example of what might be a common one that's relatable to folks and any sort of maybe intentional shifts or mindset choices along the way that you recommend people kind of key in on and go, all right, in, in the beginning, this, in the middle, this, or like how to kind of walk through that with intention, if that's what, if that's what people are wanting to choose to do. Sure. Sure. So, um, so let me just do kind of a, maybe a more general example. And let's say, somebody is fired from their job. That's an ending. And if you're fired, you didn't choose it. So there's a sense of loss and every ending has a sense of loss. And that needs to be experienced and acknowledged and validated. There's going to be a loss to work through. Also, you know, in our jobs, as in our family life, there's a huge sense of identity in that part of who we are. So, so there's going to be some reimagining and re-envisioning work around that part of my identity and who I thought I was and who I am. And there might need to be some real soul searching around what was going on. And people are like, oh, for all sorts of reasons that have nothing to do with them. Right. And that's part of it. And at the same time, There's always something to learn from every experience. So digging in to really create the learning and the mastery around the experience so that moving forward, that will really support you in that. 
And often when you're job searching, it is a big chaotic middle part and it's extremely stressful and there's a lot of anxiety around that. It's also an incredible opportunity. There are incredible questions you can ask yourself in that phase, like, who am I really? What is it I really want? What is in alignment with my values and myself and my personal vision and mission for my life? This isn't an opportunity to really think about where I want to go next and drive that for myself rather than just making decisions out of a place of fear and with fear energy. So there's a lot that can be engaged with in that phase. And then stepping into a new beginning and sifting through opportunities and aligning things or trying to align them, maybe they're misaligned with who you are and finding the alignment as you move forward, which sometimes is a very nuanced and, um, and just an intuitive process. So does that answer your question? Is that a yeah. good example? Yeah, no, I think it's great. Cause it's a relatable example that everybody, everybody has either experienced losing their job themselves or know someone who has. And mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned it being one that we're not choosing <laughs> because I think a lot of times there is this sense of fear and apprehension around change, typically because a lot of changes are maybe not our choice and they Mm -hmm. feel like they are thrust upon us. So people are freaking out if change happens because it's automatically feeling like, oh, this is bad. This is not my choice. I don't want this. It must be not a good thing. And I feel like that almost gives change a bad rap sometimes because Mm -hmm. it limits us from having hope in the potential and seeing the opportunity that could come as you intentionally transition through it, like what you just said. So I think that that's, I think that that's a good, a good example. Yes, yes. And a part of what you're talking about, that, that acceptance piece of the process, it, it really does have to happen as you're engaging with the ending, because if there's a lack of acceptance at that place, that will hold people back from the whole rest of the process. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to get stuck in the non-acceptance. Absolutely. You also mentioned something, uh, fear energy. Can you talk to mm-hmm. us about fear energy and what that is and maybe how that differs from confident energy and how those show up differently and and look differently for people. Yes. Yes. So fear energy, um, it's more than just the emotion of fear. It's basically a future oriented outcome oriented fear around what will happen in the future. And it looks like, it looks like a lot of things. It looks like overwhelm. It looks like not taking action because we don't know what to do. And we feel powerless. We feel helpless. Sometimes it's called a victim energy. And I'm not sure what I think about that word, but what that means is I feel like I'm at the mercy of my circumstances and I Mm. do not have the power to influence or change myself or the things around me. And that is a very disempowering kind of energy. And we, we all experience it. We, it's just a normal part of human life and it can really keep us stuck and hold us back. 
And the main difference between fear energy and competence energy is in competence energy, you do believe you have the power to create change. You do believe you have the influence. You believe that you can make choices about your own life to live the way that you want to live and show up the way that you want to show up. So competence energy sees a lot more opportunities and solutions and possibilities. And whereas fear energy creates this very narrow perspective, we become problem focused, we feel burdened, we feel like we really can't move forward. And, and competence energy comes from ourselves, not from some skill we have or some experience we have. It's not the kind of confidence from, well, I've done this for 10 years, so I'm confident I can do that. It's an inner confidence that I can rise to the occasion. I can make change. Yeah, that's awesome. If people find themselves, if they're listening to this and they're like, oh no, I have fear energy. <laughs> I can't relate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there anything that you recommend they do to transition to have, being more confident, having more confident energy in a way that feels authentic and still in line with where they're currently at in life, but where they're able to kind of authentically and, and confidently, no pun intended, step into mm-hmm. a more confidence energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a couple of main things I would love to mention. The first one is generally when we're noticing that we're experiencing fear energy and, and it really helps to have a, a skill of awareness and mindfulness around what our energy is. When we're noticing that we're experiencing it, we first have to accept that because what sometimes happens is we immediately start judging ourselves for the energy that we have. And that is like a double whammy for us. So we have to just notice and accept our energy without judgment and validate where we are because there's very real reasons why we end up there. And then we want to ask ourselves, well, you know, what am I telling myself about the circumstances in my life? What am I telling myself about what they mean for me? And what am I saying that they mean about me? Because that's where the energy comes from. It's not from the circumstances specifically. It's from how I'm interpreting them and what I think they mean about me and the possibilities for me and my life. And there are always going to be other ways to think about my circumstances. And it can take some practice moving from my pattern or my normal way of interpreting things to a new way of of visioning. And that's what we do a lot of in coaching is really digging in there and helping people shift their energy. But just asking yourself that question can be very helpful. And then you can ask, well, what would happen if I had a different kind of energy? What kind of energy do I want? What would serve me? And you're just starting to break yourself out a little bit from your pattern to envision there are other kinds of energy I could be drawing on here. How could I get that? What would that look like? And that starts to open things up a little bit for people. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I know this kind of ties into your work with empty nesters as well, mm-hmm. but as you're talking about 
uh, acknowledging the feelings and they're not so great feelings. And we all have mm-hmm. them and kind of like sitting with all of that. It also makes me think about mom guilt and mm-hmm. perfectionism and all of that. So I'm curious if you've seen things like mom guilt or perfectionism or anything present themselves differently for that empty nesting generation versus how it presents itself maybe for new moms or moms of young kiddos. And for any and all moms, I'd love to hear your advice for cutting that out mm. and letting go of the, the sense of perfection or that mom guilt while still feeling like a really good mom. Yeah. Yeah. And this is super connected to what we were talking about because that perfectionism and the guilt is really a part of fear energy and it can show up in that way. And I do believe that mom guilt is a real thing for moms because we are so invested in our kids and we feel so responsible for their happiness their well-being. And I mean, let's be real when they're little, you're, we're totally responsible (laughs) for everything. And, and sometimes we never in, you know, the 20 years of raising our kids, we, we, we just don't quite gradually let go of the responsibility and allow that person to really take on their own self. And, and it makes sense because we love our kids. We want to serve them. We want to see them happy. And yet we, we tend to take responsibility for things that are not our responsibility. And we tend to take control for things that are not in our sphere of control. And when we approach the empty nest season, it just brings all of that into this sharp focus because now they're not our children anymore. They're their own young adult. And there are things they need from us that are different. And guilt will not only break us down as moms, it will break down our relationship with our young adult if we allow it to stay there because we'll be responding out of guilt. And I'd love to share a quick story about that if I could, just because I think it's a beautiful example. I, I just, I knew this lovely mom and her young adult was quitting school. And it was, it was very hard for her because she sees, you know, this path of happiness, well-being, success from staying in school. And this kid was choosing a different path. So there's this desire to control the situation. Let's convince the the young adult to do this. Let's give a lot of advice. Let's push this, right? And and this was a young adult who did not want to be pushed. And this is classic. Young adults do not want unsolicited advice. They do not want to be told what to do. And they do not want to feel judged. Those are the big three. And as we worked through, really, it was, it was the energy work. This mom was able to recognize, I feel so convinced to try to get my kid to finish school, 
But the reason I do is because this young adult has a learning disability and I feel guilty that Mm. I did not catch it in time. And I feel guilty, like somehow I should have done more. I didn't do enough. And she made this connection between if I can get my young adult to finish school, I won't feel so guilty about this. And that was, that was a very, very deep insight because I'll be honest with you, many moms will go through their whole life's relationship with their young adult and not uncover how that guilt is affecting their relationship. And once she could see that, she could reevaluate and make a different choice about how she was approaching the relationship and their conversations. So um, it it was just a very beautiful, beautiful moment for her. Yeah. And kudos to her for digging deep enough to figure that out, because I think that applies to a lot in life where we bring Mm -hmm. things from our past and our experiences into our present and try to take it with us into the future. And it ends up kind of trickling out into our relationships with other people, because that's just Mm -hmm. how life works. Like our, our past informs our perspective. So we're, we're applying that sometimes forgetting that our past is not a universal truth for everybody else. And just because we experienced one thing or saw something one way, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the same for the next person. It doesn't, it's, it just, it's could be different. And it's something where if we're not careful and very intentional and conscious about where we're coming from, especially if we're in a place of giving advice to somebody, I think that's where it can become really tricky because if we start trying to put that on other people, I mean, realistically, we could be putting something on them that doesn't even apply or isn't even relevant because it's just coming from our, our place of where we were and not necessarily where they are or where they're going to be. Exactly. I could, I couldn't agree more. I think you're right on. Yeah. So for our empty nesting friends, then how do you recommend keeping connection and communication strong and keeping confidence high when the kids do leave the house and maybe you feel like the relationship is suddenly going to change and the physical distance might've changed. And there's all this weirdness on both sides that, Mm -hmm. that you're trying to navigate. What do you do? Yes. Yes. So the first thing is recognize that this itself is a transition. This is a transition in a relationship and it's going to take some time. And and it's actually gonna take longer than we used to think because of the new research around emerging adulthood and how really uh, what that all of the 20s decade looks like in the shift. So give yourself some grace, give your young adults some grace. They're growing, transitioning, you're growing and transitioning. And that affects the relationship. Part of it is what you just talked about, Erica, which is recognizing I have my own experience, perspective, values, fears, and strengths. And that influences how I perceive situations. My young adult has a very different set of experiences, perspectives, they have their own values, they have your own, their own strengths. So I have to learn how to listen to my young adult from their place and not from my place. So it takes an awareness 
of my things and my perspectives. It takes the capacity to set them aside and really hear that person. And that can be challenging for parents because there's so much love and investment and worry and concern <laughs> and fear. So, so the competence energy coming into that situation is, is the, the whole listening. It's, um, it's the acceptance. There's a lot of sensitivity around feeling judged for their decisions, for who they are, for the friends they have. And so we really have to intentionally be conscious about going in the other direction and expressing acceptance and not judgment. One of the key tips I give people is if you feel like you have to give advice to your young adult, you wanna ask permission first. Ask permission before giving an opinion and advice, making a comment that might come off judgmentally. Just like, are you open to a suggestion? I have some thoughts about this. I, I don't know if you want to hear them. Is that okay if I share them? And if they say no, we respect the no. We respect the yes, we respect the no. And just having a situation where we ask permission, they say no, we respect that, that is very, very supportive for the relationship with the young adult. They feel respected. They feel like they're moving into a new place and it actually makes them more likely to come to us for advice. So that's the, the very first skill I like people to learn is asking permission. I love that. On the flip side, do you have any advice for young adults, if they're facing a transition, whether they do want help or don't want help from their parent, is there anything that you kind of wish uh, young adults would know on the flip side of that for going through a transition? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one thing is find little ways to express that you do love your parents. Because I know young adults really do. But when, if they're feeling, you know, just sort of controlled or if there's patterns, you know, in the relationship as they're getting out of their teens and into their 20s, just finding very small ways to express, I really do love you. Because sometimes parents wonder. They, they have things they're looking for and they don't even realize they're looking for that. And it, it just takes, I mean, if your son text you something nice, like moms are just like, oh, dad, so big. like very small, doesn't have to be big, just some way of showing love. And then I think, and this is hard when you're a young adult, because you've been relating to your parents in a certain way for so long. It's very hard to start to express your own needs and expectations or your own feelings. So a lot of young adults don't just don't know how to say, I'm feeling kind of judged right now. And you, you may not be judging me. I realize that might be my own perspective, but it's just how I'm feeling right now. And, and that's really great feedback for parents to know, because normally in the course of raising your kids, it just comes out in all these different areas. So 
a little emotional intelligence, a little communication, a little um, being able to have conversations that are real, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Karen, this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, would love to get things wrapped up by hearing from you. What does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, in light of my work with transition, surviving <laughs> through transition versus thriving through transition. To me, thriving means really deeply engaging with the moments of our life that are transformative opportunities for us, allowing them Mm. to change us, allowing us to change ourselves and, and to see the beautiful opportunities that arise from that. I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us on thrive. Tell everyone where they can find you online to connect with you more, reach out, check out your coaching, all that good stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, I'd love people to come find me on Facebook. Actually, we have a group called getting ready for your empty nest and we do uh, lots of free content in the group. We'd love to connect with people over there, getting ready for your empty nest. Thank you. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.